Yo, welcome back to the JKL Podcast. Thanks for checking in, seeing what's going on. Before we get to this nugget, I want to tell you something. And you got to do me a favor. Just, just check me out, okay? Just hear me out. I want to show some love to my sponsors. Just for a few moments, but I really, I really want you to know who they are. I mean, I really want you to know where you can find out more about them. Much love to my friends at RC Health Services, Roberts and Haiti Chambers. What is RC Health Services? RC Health Services is the premier provider, the premier provider of CPR, first aid, BLS, ACLS, and PALS courses in the USA, and they are one of the biggest providers of these courses in the world. They are an American Heart Association Training Center. They're based right here in Houston. I've kind of tried to outline their story uh, in my episode with Nathan Cunningham, right in the opening of that. If you heard that episode, you have an idea of how amazing this couple is, how amazing their story is. Check them out, rchealthservices.com. There's no doubt that you or someone you know will want to know where they can get these certifications and look no further than rchealthservices.com. Okay? Also, much love to my other sponsors, Activated Muscles. Raul and Annie Trevitson are specialists in muscle activation technique and proprioceptive deep tendon reflex. Go on their website, activatedmuscles.com. I personally use them a lot. They're a very significant part of me uh, in this athletic pursuit of mine. But even if I wasn't throwing discus, I'd still be going to them because they help you find ways to make your body more efficient. They listen to your concerns. They listen to what kind of goals you'd like to have and they work with you. When I walk out of their sessions, I generally feel more access to my legs. And if you feel more access to your legs, a lot of things are possible for you in your personal life, your everyday life, and definitely in your athletic life. So check them out, activatedmuscles.com. All right, that's it. Let's get on with this. Okie dokie. Welcome, everybody. Hello to you. I hope you're doing well. It's a very, very hot Wednesday in June, I think it is Wednesday, I'm recording this podcast on a, a steamy afternoon here in H-Town, Houston, Texas, nice and sunny day, uh, it's hot, I mean it's just, there's no way to get around it, and my AC seems to be just permanently running and <laughs> saving the life of myself and my dog, so uh, stay safe out there folks, stay hydrated, do get outside, get some exercise, but once you get back inside, drink plenty of water. You know, get some salt in you. You don't want to be low on salt. You know, of course, we all know that we sweat out a lot of salt. So, and salt is an essential mineral. So, I'll quit acting like your mother and I'll just uh, get on with this podcast nugget. So, my gym is a pretty fun place. Uh, we got some cool guys in there and get guys and gals, sorry. And we got some cool trainers in there. And just so happened when I go, there's a trainer in there. And he has a lot of he has a lot of clients, a, a very wide array of clients, uh, from children all the way to like professional athletes, and it's fun because you get a bunch of professional athletes in there, and they start talking about sports, obviously, and current events in sports. And what is a current event right now? Well, we are just only a few days removed from the opening of NBA free agency now. Some of y'all may know, I'm not a huge NBA guy. I do like basketball. I, I really do love basketball. And I, I really 
I'm one of those I'm one of those annoying guys who just aren't very happy with the NBA. You know, I'm sure you've all encountered some of those guys. That's that's me, that annoying guy. Yeah, that's me. Hi, I'm James Quinley. Um, I just third person myself. Sorry. Um, anyways, so but you know the NBA does get interesting in front of the playoffs, and trust me, I mean. I, I do complain a lot about the NBA, especially about how the game is played. But there are definitely pockets of great basketball happening in the NBA. My only gripe is that there should be more great basketball throughout the league, not just with certain teams in the playoffs, if you know what I mean. But, uh, no, I do have some respect for the NBA. I mean, there are always some great teams that have that have erupted in the past decade or so. And, of course, we have great teams right now, like the Golden State Warriors and, of course, the Toronto Raptors. Congrats if you're from of Toronto. Uh, I know you all have been hungry for that uh, that basketball championship. And I was just thinking today. Okay, I was thinking today, and of course we know the NBA MVP is Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I don't have the name in front of me. I'm just going to take a little wild guess, but we call him the Greek Freak, obviously. And I was just thinking, I was like, you know, how many players in the modern NBA... Well, not not just the modern NBA, but let's just say in modern American basketball, within the past five years, and I know that's not a huge time frame, but it's I think it's fair considering the rest of this conversation I'm going to have with hopefully you, if you haven't bored out by now. <laughs> within the last five years, I was trying to think of any players in the NBA that have played prep basketball. In the U.S., prep meaning high school basketball. Have any of those prep all-stars in the past five years made a significant impact in the NBA today? Now, you're saying, James, it's just a small window of time. But let's think about a decade ago where you heard about a lot of great high school players that two or three years later are being awesome in the NBA. Of course, over a decade ago, you had people like LeBron James you know, make an impact at the age of 18. You had Carmelo Anthony do one year of college ball and, you know, go nuts after his, uh, in his first year of the NBA. Of course, that part of his career was way better than, you know, his mid-career or late career. Uh, you had Dwayne Wade, who, as soon as he graduated from college, he was balling in the NBA hard. It was, it just seemed more common. Right now, though, I, it could be for my ignorance. I'm sure somebody out there can name for me a player who, within five years ago, was a great prep player, and now they're 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 balling hard in the NBA. And you know, I don't want to hear about oh, this guy has promise or this guy is doing pretty well, or you know, no, no, I don't. I want to hear about people who are balling hard because they're true ballers, and the people who are making more of an impact within their first five years are not from the U.S. Of course, we have Jonas, we have. Uh, the guy, I think his name is Doncic in Dallas. He's from Europe. Jonas is from Europe. Uh, we have all, all these other players that make impacts that are coming from overseas. Now, this kind of goes along with something I've been thinking about recently because, of course, before I go on, we have to mention, you know, we, we still yet to see what Zion's going to do, Zion Williamson. And I'm, I, I don't, I'm not going to even pretend to know what his future in the NBA is going to be. So, I'm I'm open him to him being great or not, but even if he is, he, he seems to be an exception. Now, if you're if you're living in a country where the sport is so so uh, prominent in the U.S. 
You have waves of kids playing basketball, waves of kids trying to go play college, waves of kids trying to go play pro. The fact that you have all these incredible numbers of talents progressing through the system, and I can't think off the top of my head of great players in the NBA right now that have played prep basketball within the last five years. That's crazy. That's crazy. This is a huge population of players in a country that loves basketball. And right now, our excellence is being trumped by European players. So, this kind of goes along with something I've been thinking about maybe for the past few years. You know, I'll spend some time on YouTube, or not some time, a lot of time, but some of the time I spend on YouTube, I like to check out high school players, the the up-and-comers, you know, and... You, uh, these these YouTube channels do a great job of advertising these things on my YouTube home uh, home feed and saying, hey, check out this player. He's awesome, whatever. So I watch, and I'm watching these prep ball games, these high school games, and it's it's so bad. It's incredibly bad. There's like, there is absolutely no defense. So not only is there no defense, then you have these offensive players who are not used to dealing with defense, and you have these offenses that's now horrible. So basically, all you're doing is running up and down the court, and you're just have you're just taking turns, taking shots. You're not trying to find great shots. You're not trying to do a great offensive synergy. Okay, uh, and I don't think it's a matter of just looking for great aesthetic basketball. I think it's a matter of finding the best ways to score, especially when you start playing with defense. And what's really bothering about this is that. When when the when the high school ball gets that bad, that watered down, that's insignificant, that's uh, it's just a big pile of nothing. That inevitably leaks into the college game, and I think we saw that in last year's tournament. Now, one of the most important guards of college basketball, or just the Institute of Basketball in general, is the Duke Blue Devils program with Coach Mike uh, with Coach K or Mike Shishovsky, I believe it's pronounced. And even that guy had to submit to the state of modern American basketball. Now, he had the best players in the country on his team. Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett. I think there was another kid. I'm, I'm, his name is leaving me now, but he was also amazing. And poor Coach K, I, I think he, this the culture was so strong that he couldn't change it. Okay, we saw... A Duke team last year, basically just the ball will be running around. They're all taking turns scoring, okay? And they were so physically dominant, they could beat everybody. And that was the sign of the times until they started fighting, playing against teams with maybe less talent, but an incredible an incredible commitment to team uh, basketball, an incredible commitment, commitment to winning, an incredible uh, competitive commitment. And so a team like Duke loaded with like, Top five NBA picks lost to a team that probably most of the players on that team aren't going to ever see the NBA. Okay, so now these players get into the NBA and they kind of get lost in the fray because now they're not just playing against fellow American kids who are also lazy basketball players but look cool on highlight tapes. Now they're playing against Europeans who can ball their ass off. And you have some South Americans who are really good too. And in the game in Europe, has the, from player to player, you have more skill. You you have that big guy in in Denver. I forgot his name. They call him they call him Joker. I think. I think it's Jochich, Maybe he's a center. 
but he can play all around the court. He can make any pass. He can make any screen. Okay, we have players with more skills in Europe. They're definitely not as physically gifted as the American players, but it's it's so ironic how American basketball now is just being. I wouldn't even say being taken over. It's just not as it's it's inferior to foreign basketball. Now we kind of save ourselves by being physically superior and that looks really good on ESPN highlight reels. Which leads me to say that modern American basketball is it's basically it's basically who can stage the best highlight reel. And so you have these players like uh, Aaron Gordon, oh my god, look at that dunk contest. Oh my god, look at his dunk on ESPN last night. And then you just you in your head you're starting to formulate this idea that Aaron Gordon's a superstar. But how about you go look at how his team's doing? <laughs> uh, are you able to? Does ESPN portray whether or not he's whether or not he's a competitive player? Does it portray whether he's a great team player or not? Does it portray how his passing looks? No. All it really portrays is his dunks, and it, it's it's very hollow. American basketball is becoming very hollow. So I, I'm sitting here wondering, who the hell are the great modern? American players that were prep players in the past five years. I can, I can hardly name you any in my mind. I think maybe the youngest star that we know of right now, I'm off the top of my head, is Damian Lillard. But he, he, you know, he came out more than five years ago. He came out quite a while ago, and actually, he did make an impact with I think in his rookie year in the NBA. So, I, I I'm starting to fear that there's a modern trend right now that's only going to get worse. That American prep ball is terrible. Go watch some high school games on YouTube. And you'll see, you'll see, you'll see this. I mean, especially if you're a fan of basketball and you're used to watching, you know, when you used to watch high school games 15, 20 years ago, basketball now is, it's, there's no, it's not competitive. There's no fire. It's just basically a lot of kids running around like chickens with their heads cut off and they're just taking turns, taking shots. It's terrible. And yet the scores are like 140 to 135 and (laughs) it's hollow. It's really hollow. So that's kind of what I wanted to get off my chest today. If you have any response to this, feel free to leave this. Uh, I will be posting on this Facebook, so on Facebook. So you know, leave me a little comment on the Facebook. Uh, I know this has kind of been a. It's been kind of a left field, right field kind of comments I'm making here. I'm not making too much sense, but. <laughs> What I'm ultimately trying to say is I don't know if basketball is going to be in a good place within five to ten years, especially American basketball. And what's saving the NBA right now are these great European players. And I really hope that coaches in the high school and college wake up to that. I hope they promote better basketball. I hope they promote competitiveness. I hope they promote fundamentals. I hope they promote uh, excellent basketball so that we can keep being proud of this sport that we invented so that we can keep dominating the sport that we invented and so that we can keep innovating the sport for the future so that's it for that uh i'll, I'll be coming back at you oh before i go i i've I'm, I'm kind of pledging myself to to publish more of these podcasts uh more frequently of course i you know i, I talked to my friend about podcasting recently and he's he did emphasize the importance of being consistent in your your output and production. So that'll be my intent here going forward, especially since we're in the summer here. And um, yeah, my next episode, I hope, will be 
where my next interview will be with the great guitarist John Calderon, who is a Houston local, and he spent many years touring with the late and great Al Jarreau. He's one of the most entertaining dudes you'll ever meet, uh, and he's got a great story. He's actually a, a, a college-studied trombone player, and uh, he went, somehow he went from that to, to touring you know, the world on a guitar with one of the most iconic vocalists of all time. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to trap him in a room, get him down, talk to him, give you all something to enjoy. Until then, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Again, thank you, RC Health Services. Thank you, Activated Muscles. Everyone, have a good day. Stay cool.